Are we human beings fatally flawed? Hi, I'm Mike Mason. This is St. Joe's Society Podcast. St. Joe's Society is a Catholic lay apostolate devoted to help men order all things to Christ as they become strong in mind, body, and spirit. If you'd like to check out more about us, you can see us online at stjoesociety.org. This is St. Joseph Bootcamp, episode 24. And the question before us today is, are human beings fatally flawed? Now, generally, I wait to the end of podcasts or maybe the midpoint to answer this question, but I think I'll answer it straight out of the gate. Are human beings fatally flawed? Yes, we are. At this point in the boot camp, you guys, as we've looked at original sin and personal sin and its various effects, you guys can probably guess the fact that human beings in their natural state are absolutely fatally flawed. However, this is important, however, Jesus Christ has purchased us from the law of sin, sin and death and has invited us, has adopted us into the family of God so we can live good and free and Christ-like lives. And so the last three weeks, we've been looking at the role of actual grace in our salvation. Last week, we looked at our, uh, how we are justified before God. And then this week, we're going to look at one of the most important topics in all of our faith, which is sanctifying grace. Now, before we jump into the church's teaching on sanctifying grace, I want to read this great quote uh, from Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And in this quote, he's actually talking about a Catholic understanding of morality. Um, but I also think it's a great thing for us to meditate on before we jump into the role of sanctifying grace in our lives, because it directly ties into what Lewis is saying here. So here's C.S. Lewis. Every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you the part of you that chooses into something a little different than it was before. And taking your life as a whole with all your innumerable choices, all your life long, you are slowly turning this central thing into a heavenly creature or a hellish creature, either into a creature that is in harmony with God and with other creatures and with itself, or else into one that is in a state of war and hatred with God and with its fellow creatures and with itself. To be the one kind of creature is heaven, that is, it is joy and peace and knowledge and power. To be the other means madness, horror, idiocy, rage, impotence, and eternal loneliness. Each of us, at each moment, is progressing to one state or the other. The reason why I wanted to start with this quote is I, I teach a lot of moral theology. And one of the things I want to always emphasize to my students is that when we're talking about Catholic morality, Catholic morality is less about what we're doing. A lot of people vote, look at it, it's just about our actions, and it's more about our being. In a Catholic understanding of moral theology or spiritual theology, God is more uh, interested in what we are becoming than what we do. Now, of course, there's a reciprocal relationship between the two. You know, what you do flows from who you are. The things you do change who you are. Okay, so no, I'm not denying that. But the primary focus on Catholic morality is becoming someone. In this passage, okay, Lewis talks about that, that at every moment, everything we do, everything we think and say and do, okay, all of it conspires to turn us into something very hellish and dark and awful or something more heavenly. And at every moment, we're moving back and forth between the two. This is the drama of salvation in our lives. This is what God's trying to do. God's trying to make us into heavenly creatures so that we can share eternal life with him forever. Listen to St. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. St. Paul says this. 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That hellish creature is dead. Okay? This new creation is living for life. Guys, this new life we possess, this life in our soul, is called sanctifying grace. And so we've looked at how God's actual graces illuminate the intellect and strengthen the will to do God's will. We looked at the moment of justification when we pass from death to life. What we're going to look at now is the grace that subsists within our soul so long as we don't commit mortal sin and put it out. Okay, so we're going to look at sanctifying grace today to get to really wrap our minds around this awesome truth about what God's done here. Okay, here's a quote out of Tankery. God, out of his infinite goodness, wills to lift us up to himself in the measure that our weak nature allows. And for this purpose gives us a principle of supernatural life, a God-like vital principle, which is habitual grace. Okay. The sanctifying grace is sometimes called habitual grace. If you guys are ever reading something, those can be, they're used synonymously. Okay. Sanctifying grace is a, is a habit. Okay. It's a disposition. It's a way of being. Okay. So when you have sanctifying grace, you be, you exist in a different way than people who don't. Okay. It's a permanent disposition as well, okay, that empowers us to live good and holy lives. So this permanent disposition can only be extinguished through mortal sin. A person must die in a state of sanctifying grace in order to go to heaven. Mortal sin extinguishes it. Venial sin harms it. The goal of the spiritual life is to allow that deposit of sanctifying grace to grow and expand and basically take Control is not the best word, but influence, empower the mind, the will, the body, everything. Okay. So sanctifying grace is the life of God within the soul. Now, when we get this gift of sanctifying grace, what exactly are its effects on us? Well, I picked out five things. First, sanctifying grace sanctifies the soul. Okay. It makes, it starts to make it holy. So sanctifying grace is going to clean your soul up and make it something holy and beautiful. When you see people who convert, especially late in life, or people who have been, you know, mired in the muck of sin, and they convert, their their soul starts to become holy and, and, and great. The second thing it does is it grows in holiness is it grows in beauty. Okay, you guys have, may have met a very holy um, uh, woman or a, or a very holy man. You're like, that's a beautiful soul there. Sanctifying grace bestows, bestows supernatural beauty beauty onto the soul. People who are very holy are very attractive, right? They're attractive. You want to be like them. You want to be around them. That's the beauty. Third, sanctifying grace brings us into friendship with God. As we've talked at length in the past, we are not no longer at enmity with him, but we're now friends with him. Fourth, it gives us kinship with God. We become part of his family, which is also something else we've been discussing at length um, during this boot camp. Okay. Sanctifying grace ushers us into God's family. And then finally, the Holy Spirit dwells within our soul. Our bodies become a temple of the Holy Spirit. So God himself comes and lives in us, okay, by his power and his majesty, okay? And as he infuses himself into all areas of our lives, this this sanctification, this beauty, this friendship, this kinship, this begins to grow as we give God room. And that's what the primary um, goal of the boot camp and the primary goal of the St. Joe site is to help men grow in their relationship with God, okay, to grow in sanctification in order to be a force for good in their family, in their community, and in their parish.
Now, when a person comes into a state of sanctifying grace, there are three gifts, three, three kinds of gifts, sorry, um, three kinds of gifts that are infused into the soul. The theological virtues, the moral virtues, and the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. So when a person's baptized, when a person um, comes into a state of grace, these three gifts are given to the person. Now, these three gifts are these deposits, and the deposit can grow right as you grow in holiness. But these three gif gifts are all infused into the soul. They're all in there. So guys, if you're listening right now and you're in a state of grace, you have these within you. As you practice your faith and grow in your faith, these, these gifts will start to expand and grow. So let's look at them each one in turn real quick. First is the theological gifts. We are given faith, hope, and charity. Okay. The role of the theological virtues, according to Tankery, is to unite us to God through Jesus Christ. It makes us sharers in the divine life. The theological gifts are the unifying and transforming virtues. Faith, hope, and charity are gifts that God gives us. Notice they're gifts. God just gives us to them freely. And what they do is the faith illuminates the intellect to help us trust and believe in God. Hope and charity are infused into the will so that our wills are directed towards him as our future. That's hope. And the, and the object of our love, which is charity. Okay. So God infuses faith, hope, and charity within us. Once we get this gift infused in us, as we grow faith, hope, and charity, as we cooperate with this gift, it starts to expand. Second gift God gives is a moral, our moral virtues. Okay. Now there's cardinal virtues that we'll explore in depth in the future for sure. Okay. But the cardinal virtues are temperance, prudence, justice, and fortitude. And again, these virtues are like, um, uh, think of them like categories that lots of other virtues fall underneath. Okay. But it's temperance, right? Using pleasure properly. Prudence, the ability to discern what's right and what's wrong in your actions. Justice, giving your neighbor his due, and fortitude, overcoming pain um, or suffering, okay? At our salvation, these gifts are infused into the soul. Now, a quick side note, these gifts of cardinal virtues can be acquired or infused. So if you notice, as I'll explain, temperance, prudence, justice, fortitude, you're probably like, well, yeah, like, I know guys who aren't even Christian who kind of, you know, they're pretty temperate, they don't drink or eat too much, and they're prudent, and they're just, and okay, they're, those are what are called acquired, acquired virtues. Acquired virtues, anyone can acquire by their own natural power. What we're talking here are what called infused virtues. What an infused virtue is, is that those four virtues, those four acquired virtues, take on a new level of um, intensity of power. Okay, We've talked a lot about the natural plane and the supernatural plane. On the natural plane, you can practice acquired virtues. What happens when we are justified, when sanctifying grace is infused into our soul, is that we get these infused virtues that elevate our activities so that they're meritorious for heaven. Okay, so think about fasting. Okay, I, I like working out and things like that. And sometimes um, I'll fast for health benefits. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a perfectly fine thing to do. Even Christians can help fast for health benefits. Okay, but that fasting for health benefits is not the same kind of fasting I do when I'm in Lent or on Ash Wednesday or Good Friday, or maybe I'm fasting for some sort of prayer intention. Now, fasting is just not eating food. When I fast from a natural perspective, I do it for health benefits, which is a natural, stays on the natural plane. When I fast for supernatural benefits, that same activity, the physical activity is the same, is elevated 
to merit eternal life. That's what an infused virtue does, is it takes these what look like natural virtues on the outside, and it elevates them to the supernatural plane, and that's how we merit eternal life, okay? So when you come into a state of sanctifying grace, your everyday actions that look natural from the outside become supernatural, all right? And that's what the beauty is we've talked in the past on how God takes even the most mundane things for our sanctification. This is this is how. This is the principle how that works, okay? Co really cool stuff. And in future podcasts, we'll unpack this in, in great depth because it's really helpful um, to live a good and holy life. The last thing we get, and we'll close off here for the week, is what are called gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, St. Thomas Aquinas says basically these gifts, and there's seven of them, what these do is they complement the theological virtues and those infused moral virtues. And so we have to figure out how they complement them because they, they kind of seem a little redundant at first. Okay, here's what Aquinas says. He says, the, the gifts indeed are habits perfecting man so that he may promptly follow the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Okay, how this works is this. You have these faith, hope, and charity, the theological virtues. Okay, you have uh, prudent and fortitude and temperance and justice, which are these infused moral virtues. While we're exercising those, while we're cooperating with that sanctifying grace to grow in those seven virtues, what God wants to do is he wants to give us help, okay, inspiration and help along the way. Okay, he wants to, you know, prick our intellect and empower our wills. What the gifts do is they make us docile, they make us receptive to what God wants to give us. So when you're practicing fortitude, okay, so when you're trying to overcome some difficulty, pain, suffering, what the gift of fortitude has the same name, what it does is it makes you receptive for God to help you out. Okay, so what the gifts do is they help us to be more receptive to God's help to exercise those, those virtues. All right, that's a lot for one day, so I think we'll leave off there. But what I want to give you guys as a takeaway is, is as we're getting into Lent, keep in mind that these virtues, as you exercise them, you can consecrate all of these actions to merit salvation, and I would encourage you guys to do so. Also, you can pray for these gifts of the Holy Spirit to prompt you so that God can help you overcome the challenges of Lent. Those are really good applications um, to help you guys have an, a really excellent Lent, one that's meritorious for your salvation. God bless. See you guys next week.